Um, as we get in, I, I do want, I know we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed, but I'm going to pray again. Uh, it's, if anything else, it's just good for me to just come that way right now. Father in heaven, truly you are holy. And I love that we can come here in a place where we can declare boldly and openly that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that, that no one comes to the Father except through him. I don't take it for granted that we have a community that would stand firm on that, but also that we can openly, freely say that here this morning. We thank you. Lord, may we make the best use of this morning to put our hearts deep, deep into you. And so, Lord, we sit under your word, which is good and true, and we ask for the spirit of revelation and, and knowledge that you said you would give us. And we come and ask for that now, and I ask that your words would come today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. So, We've been working through Ephesians, and I just really want to remind us, before we dig in, so the last two weeks, we've been looking at specific things that those parameters that God gives his people for how to walk in his best way. And there are parameters, there are actually things that play out in our lives. We talked, we talked about how you talk matters. We talked about refraining from sexual immorality and, and what that parameter is about. We've talked about covetousness and that you now are children of light and you should walk as children of light. And so we get into these details and these, and these things which are very, very good and very important for the believer. But it's all in light of chapters 1 to 3. And so I just want to, again, as we get into this this morning, remember that Every parameter and everything that God will t tell you to do, there's going to be a cost, and the cost is yourself, and the cost is what the world would sell as good, and you need to count that cost, but the gain is the greatest treasure ever, and we never want to forget that. So Ephesians, we've already looked that God the Father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Hallelujah, amen? That's good news, that he chose us before the foundation of the world to be in him, to be adopted into his family. He lavishes grace upon us and forgiveness of our sins when we said we want to do our own thing and we deny the fact that he is God and what he says goes. When we choose that, he still has chosen to forgive us in Jesus when we come to him. That Jesus came and that he's uniting all things in heaven and on earth. And that's the plan, right? The redemption, the restoration of God's creation is coming. And it's, it was at hand in Jesus. And as we give our lives to Jesus and as we live by the Spirit, that kingdom happens on earth until Jesus returns and he makes everything new. And nothing bad is going to be here. There's going to be no more tears, no more Sorrow, even creation itself, will be in unity. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
And so we've been given, remember, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And then as we enter into this grace of God, we are made new in Jesus. We are not who we were before. And so Paul then turns in chapter 4 and he says, because you aren't the same anymore, because you are a new human, because Jesus has forgiven you, now walk it out. We actually have a responsibility to partner with God, to partner with his heart in walking in holiness and righteousness and in his ways. And those are the parameters that we're talking about. He gives us parameters. And so before we get into this morning, I, I think we've had a couple of, of more heavy Sundays, and I think that's appropriate because I think if you're walking in sin, it should be heavy. And we've given opportunity um, to respond and to come to a place of repentance and confession, and that will continually be our invitation because it's an invitation to the good kingdom of heaven. But in that, we see that God gives his beloved children, that's what he calls, calls us in, in chapter 5, be imitators of God as beloved children. We see that he gives us parameters, right? Don't sleep with someone you're not married to, right? That's a good parameter. That's a really good parameter. Don't be nasty with your words. Don't covet things that aren't yours. These are actually good and healthy parameters. He gives us parameters, which really, if you stop and think about it, aren't actually that much. Because what he does is he gives us great freedom. He gives us great freedom to live. See, I think many times in the church throughout history, we've zoomed in when we focused solely on these parameters. If we can just refrain from doing these things, that's life. That's not life. What, it's like this. So in my house, um, we have a whole bunch of kids. And there's certain rules and certain parameters. Uh, uh, the underneath our kitchen sink, uh, there's cleaning stuff and chemicals. So we have those little child locks where, like, it's hard to get in. I know people come visit our house and try to put something in the garbage and they just can't get in because uh, child locks are difficult. But we have this cupboard child locked, right? And then we have uh, medicines and things like that way up high in an upper cupboard where the kids can't reach, right? And so these are parameters to keep them safe, because nothing good for them is in those cupboards. Now, we've given them these parameters, and how, how, mu how much sorrow and agony is there when you have the rest of the house to play? You have the rest of the house to go and enjoy but if you would just get fixated, oh, I just want that cupboard so bad, <laughs> right? We do that in our lives, don't we? We get stuck on these things that God said we shouldn't walk in, which are actually for our benefit. When we have life in the Spirit to live, that's good, amen? It's so good. So don't get stuck on the parameters, Run to Jesus, submit to him in them, trust that he is good. And then we're, today we're going to look at how in the spirit, we have great freedom to live with Jesus. That's good news. 
That's real good news. So we're going to dig into this passage today. It says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so what Paul does here is he does a little bit of a compare and contrast thing. And so the first one is don't be unwise, be wise. Well, how, how on earth do you just be wise, right? It's like smarten up. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm wise today. Well, that's, it's, it's, obviously there's a progression that has to happen, but it doesn't start with, when we think of wisdom, quite, quite often we think of something that happens in your, in your brain. But it's something that's both brain and heart connected together. And only God can do that, can make a, a, someone truly wise. In Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the, it's the starting place, is the fear of the Lord. Well, you think of those parameters, right? And you think of just, just last, last week, uh, if you look up a little bit, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's fearful. God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament, who is still God today. The wrath of God comes upon the sons and daughters of disobedience. The, the beginning of wisdom and walking in wisdom is fearing the Lord, of looking at those parameters, looking at that child lock and saying, yeah, I don't want to mess with that, not only because it's going to destroy you because of what's in there, because, because you have dishonored and disowned that God who, who made that parameter. And so fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I really want to set that in our minds here because we're talking about walking in holiness. We're talking about making wise choices. It has to begin from fearing the Lord. And there's lots of pieces in there. I, I think sometimes we dumb it down a little too much to say it's only in awe of the Lord, and that is wrapped up in there. You need to have just this reverence and this awe of God. But it also clearly just said the wrath of God is coming upon sons of disobedience. Does that, that, that should put a fear in our hearts of God. The wrath of God is coming. Read the last few chapters in Revelation and have a healthy fear of the Lord and how you walk your life out. So that's the first one. Fear the Lord. Read what he says. Listen to what we're talking about here and don't walk in those ways outside of the parameters that he set for us because it will not go well for you and you will have one day to reckon with him. Sometimes he disciplines us now and that's his grace, but one day we will all give an account. So be wise. Remember to walk in the parameters that God has set out for us. And then he says this. It says, walk as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It's like, well, you guys, you guys know what it's like out there. You guys got to be careful. You got to make the best use of your time. You actually have to be diligent and disciplined in this, walking in God's ways. Because you know what it's like out there. The days are evil. 
he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's the second compare and contrast that Paul does. He says, don't be foolish. But the opposite of foolish is discerning God's will. So it's like, if you don't want to be foolish, try to figure out what God's best plan is. I'm going to flip to Proverbs. You can join me there if you want, but um, Proverbs 28, verse 26. I should have put a sticky note in there. I'm usually like the king of sticky notes everywhere, but Proverbs 28. See, this is where the handheld mic is no good. 26. It says this. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. We don't have, apart from God, the mind to figure out what God wants. And, and so I want to talk about what, what is discerning God's will. Just really briefly, uh, I'll give you the two-minute version. Often we think of, we need to find God's will, big picture will for our lives. What am I called to? Maybe that's not you, but I know in my generation that's, that's the thing. What, I need to find my calling in life, that big overarching call, and then walk that out because that is what God's called me to for the rest of my life. God's call for your life is to be faithful today. He has callings for your life, but our job is to pray, Lord, give us our daily bread. Let me walk in step with you today. Provide what I need today. It's this faithfulness. And so learning to discern God's will, first of all, is those parameters that we read about in Scripture. That's, that's first and foremost. That's God's will. But it's, well, I have a, like I said, I have six kids. So you saw my two-year-old up here already this morning. I also have a 13-year-old. And so as, as, as you guys grow, the, the heart is that I won't need to have the child lock on the door anymore. He's going to know what the will of his dad is to not go and eat the dishwasher soap. Right? He knows that. He's grown to the point of discerning our will and recognizing what foolishness is, right? So I'm not going to have to say to a 13-year-old, hey, make sure you don't do that or like padlock it like crazy or something because he's smart enough to figure out the child lock at this point, right? You guys get, you guys get what I'm saying, right? So we need to discern what God's best plan is. And that takes time, and that takes wisdom as well. And it takes knowing that his plans are different than what ours naturally are. Let's keep reading. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we're going to stop there. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so this is, this is uh, oh man, it's just so much fun going through Ephesians. Because, I mean, we got to talk about all the goodness of the gospel. And then last week, we got to talk about sex. And this week, we're talking about drinking, and it's church, and it's all good. Because it's in the Bible. 
Um, it's important for us. So Paul says, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. And so it's, it's actually fascinating. When you look at the brain science of what, um, what happens when you get drunk, when you drink too much alcohol, um, your, your frontal lobe actually begins to shut down in that moment. And the frontal lobe is what every preteen boy does not have. And it's that function of knowing consequences, right? It's literally what I see right in front of me, it, I'm just going to act on that, okay? It literally alters your brain so that you just make impulsive decisions and you can't think down the path of what's going to happen from those decisions. It literally dehumanizes us to go down that road. It doesn't, you don't walk in how God created you to be. It de you are acting on animal impulse in the moment, and it dehumanizes us. And so Paul says, don't get drunk. And now I want to be clear here that this, there's so much baggage in this in the church. He doesn't say, don't ever have a glass of wine or don't ever have a drink of alcohol. He doesn't say that. So I think for this, here's what I'm going to say. Scripture, you actually will not find anywhere in Scripture that says, do not have a sip of alcohol. But all over the place, you will find, don't get drunk. So what it is, is, is a self-control. For some, it's wise to never touch the stuff. For some, it's wise. This is why we need to walk with Jesus in this. For some, you can have a glass of wine at a celebration. And, and, and that's the thing. In the Bible, it, there's, there's wine enjoyed by people, and it's always in a celebration of the goodness of God. It's always tied to that. And so God made good things, but how many good things do we destroy? Lots. So I want to be careful and say, for the sake of others, you've got to be really, really careful. But I also don't want anybody to sit here and, and be condemned. But I also want to say, there's people that drink too much. And God says, don't. So there's parameters. And, I, and we need to all walk with Jesus on this one. Okay? We need to all walk with Jesus in this one. I, I think, I mean, my heart here is, is always the grace of God and the freedom we have and not getting legalistic about things but also recognizing the healthy, good parameters of Jesus and walking with him daily and trusting his wisdom for our lives, right? That's what we're talking about. And so some, some places, they'll read this passage and they'll say, don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. And they'll say, oh, that's because you need to act like you're drunk when you're filled with the Spirit. There's, there's churches that teach this, okay? And I just need to... I need to to bring this out, that, that's not what this passage is saying, okay? Uh, he, he literally compares and contrasts. Don't be unwise, be wise. It's opposite. Don't be foolish, discern God's will. Don't get drunk, which makes this animal instinct and you throw your brain out the window and make silly decisions, but be filled with the Spirit. The, the way that these two go together is there's an outside influence, that is, uh, that is helping or impeding your decision-making. There's an outside influence. And getting drunk is a negative outside influence. You, you do stupid things. Um, 
I grew up in a house where heavy drinking was a very, just a very common occurrence. And um, it is so damaging uh, to, to so many things, so many poor decisions. But be filled with the Spirit. And this is where I want to camp out today. Be filled with the Spirit. Boy, it sounds like it's something that he wants us to do. Do you know what I mean? So often, we, we think, we can fall into the thinking of, well, I believe in Jesus, so he's just automatic, he's going to fill me with the Spirit. He actually says, be filled with the Spirit. Well, how does that work? Well, that's a partnership with a relational God. And we're going to look at some things today. Um, that we get to look at what being filled with the Spirit is. And this is a sermon series that's coming eventually, uh, being filled with the Spirit. But today, we're going to look briefly. So we know that, and I'm not going to dig into, I don't have time to dig into all the scriptures. Like I said, it's a sermon series. We know that um, you are filled with the Spirit because the Spirit is the one who even draws you to receive to receive Christ in the first place, to, to give your allegiance to him. The Holy Spirit is the one that works that in your heart, and, and he is in you at that moment. But there's, there is a different experience of the Holy Spirit that Paul talks about often, and, and, and churches have divided on this forever, and there's a lot of unity actually coming in the global church right now over this issue, which is really cool. I love that. Um, but we see a pattern in Scripture where a filling of the Spirit is not a one-time occasion. I know Pastor Lauren used to say it was like it's like we leak, basically. And we need to constantly be topped up with the Holy Spirit. And so we see... Uh, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we see these believers gathered together in the upper room, and they're waiting on this promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, it feels like to them, there's this rushing wind sound, and these tongues of flame come and rest on them, and they're speaking in other languages, and it's just this magnificent experience. And they are filled, it says, with the Holy Spirit. And from there... We see Peter's sermon at Pentecost, and 3,000 are added to the church that day. Because he was filled with the Spirit, he was moving in the power of God. And so then from there, they are living their lives now filled with the Spirit, right? They've been filled with the Spirit. They've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now you come to Acts chapter 4, and Peter and John are, are coming up these steps, and, and they heal a man. And they go into the temple, and it causes quite a stir. And so they're arrested and taken in for questioning. And they're taken in for questioning and charged very strictly by the, the Jewish leaders. You do not preach the name of Jesus in this place, ever. As they were threatened. And so they leave that place. And we see in Acts chapter 4 that they gathered together again with the believers, and they prayed together. And it's in Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 27, starting at, yeah, starting at verse 27. 
It says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This is a prayer that, that the church is praying. They're praying to God. They said, God, we remember that Jesus was, was attacked by Herod and Pilate and Gentiles and Israel. That this happened to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretched out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God in boldness. You see, those guys were at Pentecost, so they were filled with the Spirit already. And then they're seeking seeing some threats, some things that would potentially cause them to shrink back. And so they pray for boldness, and what does God do? He shakes the foundations, and he fills them again with the Spirit. He fills them again. And what was the fruit of that? They go and preach the Word of God in boldness. That's good. We need the... There's endless. Just read the book book of Acts and see how many times people are filled with the Spirit. We could keep going this morning, but but we'll move on. We need to continually be filled with the Spirit of God. And so this morning, I just want to give us some, some ways that that happens. And, um, and we, won't, we won't have time to dig deeply into this, but, but if you, I, as always, I welcome literally, sincerely, any conversation, anytime, on anything that happens on Sunday morning. This is, uh, this is life together here. So, Ways to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, first, ask the Father in prayer. And if you guys have pens and you're taking notes, uh, you can write down these references and look them up. But Luke eleven thirteen is is talking about when Jesus is teaching about prayer. He says, "You who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Then how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" It, it doesn't get much more plain then give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Do we ask for this? Or do we just say, ah, you did it once, thanks, I'm good. He, his word tells us to ask. So let's just, in faith, like kids, just come and ask, right? Just like his kids, come and ask. So that's the first way. Second, receiving prayer. Uh, there's amazing stories. Actually, when we looked at, at the beginning of the series at how the gospel came to Ephesus, uh, Apollos had come and he had preached the gospel to the, to the people in Ephesus, and they had believed in Jesus. They had been baptized for repentance, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. I'll let that wreck your mind for a little while, depending on your background in church, and we'll get there eventually. If you have questions... We'll talk. Um, and then Paul comes in, and he figures out, wait a second. These guys are believers in Jesus, but they haven't received the Holy Spirit. So what Paul does is he lays hands on them, and he prays for them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and in, as well in Acts chapter 8. That's a story we don't have time for today, but look it up. It's awesome. Laying on of hands from someone else, asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit is something uh, I don't see happen often in my context. Uh, just a heads up, we're going to do that at the end of the service today. Um, I've asked Tom and Debbie to help me out, and I'm hoping there's enough that um, we need multiple people to do this because we can just ask the Lord, receive prayer to be filled with the Spirit, have faith that he just said it in his word, so let's come to him. Next is worshiping God. We actually see that in this very passage that we're in in Ephesians 5. We see right after this, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Worshiping God, even just the singing songs, just puts us in the presence of God and he fills us with his spirit. How have, I know this will be a popular one. How many of you have felt the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in worship before? Yes, we know this. So that's why we come and we worship God together. In fact, if there, if there is a healthy church knowing and experiencing God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, uh, quite often good art and songs and wonderful things like that come out of, of that place. Uh, it's just how God tends to work. And so worshiping God. Next is having a heart of thankfulness. And that's the very next verse. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've noticed, if you're, if you're a regular Pine Ridger, how often we start our prayer time just with thanking God for blessing in our lives. It's because it's appropriate. It gives him honor. And it also allows us to be in a place to receive, receive from the Lord in that, in that way. There's lots of things we do here that haven't been fully explained that are very scriptural and, and purposeful. Um, we come and we give thanks to God, and he fills us with his spirit, as we see in this passage. And you'll notice, too, in, in verse 19, it says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And a way to be filled with the spirit is to engage in Jesus' community, to engage with one another, not just in the singing, but in healthy, Jesus-centered community. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And so we, we are filled with the Spirit of God as we engage in that community. We've learned so much here that, that the church is all of us, that the kingdom of heaven, that coming to eternal life is entering this family, this community. Next is ways to be filled with the Spirit is seeking God's presence. I know that might seem simple, but it's often something that's neglected. And that's just waiting on the Lord. You just come and you just wait on the Lord. And he honors that childlike just, you know how often I have to do this multiple times a week, early in the morning, I just have to say, Lord, I, I need you desperately. I'm, I'm not going anywhere till I, till, I, till I connect with you here today. He's my life. I invite you. I invite you to take him up on his offer. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you, is what he said. And so we, we wait on the Lord in that way, seeking God's presence. Uh, confessing and repenting of sin. I uh, think we're very familiar with that around here, but um, 
we, we already looked uh, two weeks ago that you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God, right? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. When we grieve the Spirit of God, it's not that he just takes off and leaves you altogether. But like any relationship, it is strained. We are not as able to hear from him and know his plan and his, live in wisdom and discern his will. So if there's sin in our lives, we need to come to him and repent. And we need to confess that sin and then walk forward in the filling of the Spirit. And then obedience to God. This one is huge. So I mean, that's the confessing and repenting is when you've already been disobedient to God. But obedience to God is just continually walking in obedience to God. Um, in Acts 5, 32, it's the, the word says, the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. God trusts us with his own self when we obey him. And so those are rapid fire ways to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of freedom. Because just like those cupboards, we, we have those healthy parameters and we respect them. We fear God. We walk in wisdom. But we have the rest of the house. We had freedom in the Holy Spirit. Who, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? That's what he's after. He's after your wholeness, the punishment that brought us peace, wholeness, shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing, was upon Jesus. That's why he came. And so once again, I'm going to invite you to that. I'm going to invite you to the wholeness that Jesus has for you. It, it involves saying, yeah, I can't do this. It involves humility. It involves a coming to Christ and saying, thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. I forsake all else but knowing you. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up, and you guys can come up now. And uh, part of, I'm just going to talk while they're coming up. Part of, like I said, uh, life in the spirit, quite often songs will be birthed out of that, and art and things like this. And it's part of the spirit's work in our lives. And so we're going to sing a song that came out of my own personal prayer time. Uh, you guys know it already. Um, it, came out of, it came out of scripture, my own personal prayer time in Acts 9.31. And um, we will walk in the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because the word said that that was happening in this church. They, and they walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the church was multiplied. That's what we're praying for. We're praying for the lost. We're praying that God saves lives and saves souls. Amen? And so if the church will walk in holiness, walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The church will be multiplied. I'm believing it. We're going to sing it out together. I wrote this song for this church, and let's declare it together because the Spirit is doing that here. Let's stand together.